Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's Cattleman's Call podcast. Lane Nordland, happy to be with you. As we look to today's show, we are honored to have a, a, a guest with us here today, all the way from Kansas. Many producers out there use his equipment day in and day out. This is a great conversation we're going to have with John Mulhagen. Uh, John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Lane. Well, uh, for, for many people out there, John, uh, they may not know your last name, but they n- may know part of your last name. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, your, your family owns Molly Manufacturing. And, of course, that is uh, the, the silencer shoot, which, which many operations have. Uh, uh, let's just talk about your business a little bit, where you're located there in Kansas, and then we'll really dive into to the, your background and, and the impact you've had on the livestock sector. <clears throat> well, well, Lane, uh, we're in Lorain, Kansas, right in the middle of the state, it, about as close to the middle of the state as you can get in Kansas. Um, it, it, Lorain is a town of about 150 people. Uh, there, was a, there was a school yet when I was at, at that age, and my graduating class from the eighth grade was eight. So, and that was one of the larger classes too. So, and then, uh, so that's kind of the background of where we're at. From there, we've um, kind of um, um, worked with cattle and farming. So we're, that, that's where I grew up and that's what we did. And so through the years, um, we, we started uh, growing our cattle operation. And then I came back to the farm and I bought a piece of land. So I was stuck there, I couldn't leave. So. So I was paying on a piece of land when I was 22 years old, so it kind of started right there. So, uh, you know, your roots in the livestock industry obviously have given you a great background and a great knowledge of the needs and, and, and advancements. Uh, as a 22-year-old paying on a chunk of land, it, it's kind of hard to make ends meet sometimes. Uh, but uh, what were some of those initial struggles that you faced uh, right when you, you started in the livestock production on your own there? Well, I think uh, the, the first year that uh, uh, I rented a piece of land, a, a fellow, a friend of ours bought a piece of land, and, and, I, and I, put, um, I put it all into wheat. And, and we, I had no insurance, and it all hailed out the first year. So my dad was nice enough to lend me the equipment, but I didn't have any income for the first year. So that was a good di- that's a good way to start. When you start at the bottom, it's a lot easier than yep. having, to, having to start at the top. So that's kind of where that all started as far as the farming part of it. So, so many operations out there are always looking to, to better themselves. Um, to make things more efficient, um, to handle cattle better. And many operations use your equipment, uh, the silencer shoots and, and everything, all the other uh, uh, implements that come with it. When did it click with you? When, when were you were, were you laying in bed late, late at night, not, not sleeping one night? Were you working cows thinking, oh, we can do this so much better? When, when did that idea and what year did that really uh, come about for the silencer shoot? Well, about 1985, um, I was looking for a piece of portable equipment that really was not on the market at that time. And I was walking around in the Three Eye Show in Great Bend, Kansas. And, and a fella had put a couple of wheels under a tub. You know what a tub is? That's a cir- circular fence, and you know, it's a pressures cattle up into a, to an alleyway. And, and so that, that's when that began. So I started building a product called Transcrub, but that was about two years later. So I worked on that for about 18 months before I ever built one. 
and and so with that, that's how, how that's how I started in, into um, that's where Molly Manufacturing began, and uh, I put a patent on it, and uh, it was actually had some uh, reader reader awards in uh, Farm Industry News, which is a magazine at that point in time was uh, really into the uh, uh, technology end of the thing, and then also uh, you know so hydraulics was still kind of growing and those type of things, so that's kind of how we really kind of got started. And then from there, I started hauling this trans corral around to different shows, and, and I was selling some of them, and uh, doing. Uh, people were really excited about the product. From there is when I started learning about hydraulic squeeze chutes, or squeeze chutes in general. Uh, I grew up with using a powder river, and so like that's what many of us did. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you were a powder river man, so you know how the levers worked, and, and quite frankly, even today, uh, you can't beat leverage. You know, that there's there's some physics behind that long arm there that sometimes we'd, we'd run into once in a while when we're working cattle, but that's part of it. So, so um, <clears throat> maybe let's jump back to, to sure. growing up. Uh, you know, a lot of... Lot of Ranch kids, they're, they're handy. They, they know how to weld. They, they know how to fix things with bailing wire. <laughs> um, it's just something that, that you have to be adaptive with. Um, did you just have a knack for, for, for uh, tinkering uh, from the start? Well, um, even as a, I think I was a sophomore in high school when I figured out that I wanted to weld something. So I was actually, um, of course, Lorraine didn't have a high school at this time. And so uh, uh, I, Bushton was our next close to town, and, and that was all wood. So they had everything. They didn't have anything to do with welding, and I just really did not like to work with wood. It looked like an inferior product to me as a kid. You know, I wanted something that was going to hold up. And so then I um, uh, ended up going to Ellsworth. My sister was a year younger than I was, and so I was the kid hack driver. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's an old terminology, so... I'd actually drive to, to school to Ellsworth and pick up a couple of kids on the way to Ellsworth, and then and then I was um, a part of their Voig uh, in in, uh, in Ellsworth, Kansas, and that's where I kind of started welding and and uh, um, building some projects in there. So uh, you speak <coughs> of Voig. Uh, did that include FFA as well within that Voig curriculum? Yeah, yes. So how, how did that kind of shape shape you being a, a part of that and also that uh, leadership aspect that FFA threw in with it? Well, I, I get for example, um, you know, a lot of the other kids that were in this in the Voeg end, end of the part of it, um, uh, they they really didn't have any need for anything. But I wanted I wanted to make things. You know, I made a headache rack for a pickup or something. So all the other kids were working on my projects. So that's kind of so they were actually were they they were working on my projects. You learned how to be a manager at an yeah. early age. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where that really kind of started, and uh, kind of followed through since then. So. So uh, you mentioned you're 22. Did, did you go off uh, to uh, secondary education, or did you just start working right, right out of high school there? I was, I was a year in, at Colby Junior College, and I spent more of my time racing motorcycles at that point, but, but uh, I was also learning about cattle as well. So, uh, you know, we haven't talked much about your family. Uh, your daughter Lacey is sitting here with mm -hmm. us, and she's really eager to get on the podcast. But uh, um, I, I think we'll just stick with you and I right now. Oh, she, she just gave me a look. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, gonna, she, she's making sure we stay on task right here. But uh, you're a family operation. Uh, could you yeah. just maybe talk about your family and, uh, sure. and, and Molly? Yeah, well, uh, Molly is, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're just uh, – we own Molly, and uh, we have no other partners. 
and uh, so Lacey and Blaze get in there, and, and Blaze actually works on the cattle operation, and, but he's a pretty good salesman, and he's at the at the show here as well with us at the convention. And and Lacey, she she works in a, a lot of different things and kind of keeps be straightened out on on a lot of different things and 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 keeps uh, moving us along on on different ways. So that's that's pretty much uh, the three of us, and and so we we uh, have a lot of people that help us as as well. Well, what's it mean like to you, though, to have uh, your your children a part of the operation? Oh, I don't think I would be very interested in, in the business if they weren't. Mm-hmm. How's that for putting yep. it how it is? So very happy to have them with me and working together. It's it's quite an honor to have them. And living in Lorain, Kansas, living around Lorain, Kansas, you know, there's not a lot of services around Lorain. Uh, we don't have Uber, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have Uber Eats either, so... Yep. You know, if we go somewhere, you know, it's a, it's, it's 30 miles, and that's you know, 16, 15 miles there and 15 miles back. So, uh, so it's it's quite. I'm really happy that they're in the area. So, how many people do you employ then, uh, seasonally or, or full time? Uh, uh, what what what's kind of the economic impact that that you have on the community? Well, we 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 hire around 50 people, and then that and through the years we keep adding a lot of automation too. So. So rather than hiring more people, we've have uh, you know we've we've added robots and machine centers, and so there's a lot of automation involved within our system. And then um, and then all obviously you know we have so many products anymore. Our our software is very important on what we do, <coughs> maintaining stock. Um, uh, we have so many different options on on silencers and different things that it, it's a pretty complex system. Yep. Um. I know before we started our, our podcast today, you were explaining how the name Molly uh, came about. And um, a lot of people probably think that is your last name, but it's a short version, I guess, of your last name. But uh, how about you share a little bit of history yeah. behind that with our listeners? Well, as a, as a, as a young lad, <clears throat> my, my first name is John, J-O-N, and Mal Hagen. And, and any time I'd go up to register for whatever they'd always put an H in it, then I'd have to fix the H, and then they'd have Mulhagen, and they'd start with an M-U, and then who knows where it would go from there. And so when, uh, when, we decided, when I decided to start this company, uh, I decided to keep it short and sweet so I wouldn't have to go through this, this whole uh, uh, rigmarole every time we got ready to you know, register for whatever. And so that's why it's M-O-L-Y, and we, say, we don't say Molly, we say Molly, but that's it. But uh, anyhow, that's just to keep it short and sweet and, and, and keep it simple. So obviously, uh, fr- fr- from your start, um, what was it like? What, what, did your shop, what did your operation look like when you, when you first started uh, uh, manufacturing? Well, when we first started manufacturing, we built one machine in a shop with, of course, no heat or you know, no water or anything there. <clears throat> it was like kind of out, you know, it wasn't actually where the location where I live. And the, the, which was a trans corral, and uh, is what we were building in this shop. And uh, and then I we took that. Um, I didn't know anything about manufacturing. Of course, nobody gives you the time of day, and there's no way you're going to get any discount on parts or anything. So I was paying retail, retail for everything just to try to build something. And then after that, we um, uh, immediately uh, a, a group came in and bought our first trans corral. Actually, uh, interesting group. It was uh, Fort Hayes. Uh, it bought the first trans corral we ever made, and um, but then we started building in Waukini because I really didn't have an infrastructure to actually build machines, and so we built out at Waukini, Kansas, for 
about four years and during this time is when we started developing the silencer which you're very familiar with today so obviously there's been a lot of technological changes uh, a lot of labor changes um, you mentioned software uh, when did software really start uh, playing a key role in uh, your operation and how has that changed the landscape of uh, livestock handling across the countryside well you know um when you say software, you know, I guess really started kind of started when, when we when we had about ten books of full of paper, and all those pieces of paper were we were scratching things off. You know, this is what we don't have, or this is what we do have. You know, designs, whatever. So in, so about really about ten years ago is when I made I tried to make a commitment towards a, a paperless office, and it's been it's taken a lot of time. But you know, we went from having. A, like 17, 18 fireproof uh, uh, big file cabinets that aren't hardly being used today. So I guess there's there's some software right there. So we've really eliminated a, a lot of extra labor and then a lot of ways on how to uh, uh, maintain uh, uh, so we wouldn't make the mistakes, you know, let the, let the computers maintain this for us. Anytime we have human intervention, that's usually where our, our weak point is. And so uh, software is, uh, is really the thing we're looking at with uh, the automation that we're using in our, in our shops these days. Um, you know, we're, we're going right from a design, uh, you know, for the engineers, we have engineers at Lorraine, and uh, uh, we go right from there and can take it right to a machine center. So it's pretty interesting how much it's speeded things up and giving us a lot more uh, quality and a, and a lot more precision. So um, how long does it take to manufacture, let's just say, a silencer shoot uh, fr from the time the metal's first cut and welded? Uh, what, what's that assembly line look like and timeline? Well, it, it, uh, you know, you're, you're going to start with, with truckloads of steel that come in. We, we use a lot of tube. <clears throat> we use a lot of tube, tube and then sheet metal. And so from that point, they go, to auto, they go to auto saws. And so these auto saws will pull the material up to a certain length and cut these off and we may be cutting 20 pieces at one time so you know just to, to, to deal with the the you know the infrastructure of what do you do with all the steel well, how do you store the steel you know the other thing in manufacturing where do you find it at so that these are all the challenges that you look at and along with the fact that silencers are very we have so many different options that it's every day there's there's thousands of different parts that we have today which is completely different from starting in the backyard. John, uh, you, you were just describing, of course, uh, how that manufacturing line looks, all, all the moving parts that go into it. Uh, what have been the biggest changes that, that you've seen in the manufacturing end of it uh, since the 1980s? Well, um, really just a lot of our automation. You know, we went from just a pretty simplistic, you know, we, we used to cut, cut steel on a, on a little bandsaw, you know, and it didn't take us long to figure out that that wasn't going to last very long. Uh, so we, we, you know, we just started growing our, our equipment and tried to end up with equipment that could give us the, uh, give us some good production numbers. Um, you know, I think probably one of the, as far as uh, the biggest change is just, just the infrastructure and all, you know, you just, you know, there's just so many things that, that can, can be perfect. And one little thing can really can really trip up a whole line. So just being so precision and being very organized is really a lot of what we got to do to 
to stay on top of it. So more than actually being out on, in the shop floor, you know, it's it's more about uh, just making sure that everyone is is completely prepared and understands what their job description is, and then you know whether they're a robot operator or or they're a they're a, they're a final assembly quality control guy. You know, you know, I mentioned labor and how many folks you employ. For for a lot of livestock producers out there, labor is their biggest challenge. One of their biggest challenges in the countryside, on the manufacturing end. Uh, I assume you face some of those same challenges with uh, with the hiring crew, or. Well, yes. Um, you know that that. Um we have some of the best people you could ever imagine that work for us, so we're very proud of the crew that we have. Um, we have had people that have worked for us for over thir before I before I started Molly. We have a fellow that still works for for our group, <laughs> and so uh, you know that's been over that's been over 30 years. Yep. So, and then we have fellows that have been working for 20. So our our, our core group is 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 uh, r real important, and you know from there. Uh, you know, a lot of the labor, you know, we have to work with, um, you know, a lot of guys that, that uh, um, you know, keep lines running, you know, and, and then if, if somebody quits and you got to find somebody new. So a lot of it's about training. Mm -hmm. Training is one of the, one of the hugest things. I mean, when I, when I say training, uh, you know, we're always training. It doesn't matter, you know, if we have a new product. So we spend a lot of time training. So really when it comes down to it, communications is probably one of our number one things that we really have to stay on top of. Not so much as labor, just good communications and, you know, good, clear communications. And that really builds for a stronger workplace, too. You know, we, we may have some young people that are in an FFA program right now that that, uh, that have an outstanding chop teacher and uh, compete in mechanics or, or all those uh, career development events. What's your message to young people on the importance of, uh, of you know, pursuing all the educational opportunities there is with working with their hands and having that, uh, that skills training to, to be able to, to weld and to have a background in manufacturing or, or know there is careers in manufacturing that are tied to agriculture? Well, I think, first of all, you know, uh, you're not going to, um, um, you know, any kind of a vocational uh, training that they can get, that's good for everybody. I think everybody needs to have some sort of training like this simply because of their lives in general. You know, so many times uh, we see people that really don't have some of these skills and they're just become almost dysfunctional because they don't know how to do some of these things. And and if and I think uh, I think our, our schools are really lacking in some of those you know, in somebody's, uh, some people's eyes say, well, this is awful simplistic, but these things are what really makes our life go around and around. So I think if we start with that and think through that, uh, their lives can grow very well. And depending on what field they're looking, it doesn't matter which, what, what field they're going into. Um, you know, and, and the main thing is that they're very proud of what they're doing. Uh, that's very important, too. And, and to have, so, and this is where I think communications is real important uh, with the uh, with young people to understand where where they need to be going and and give them the confidence to do what they like to do You know you speak about just being proud about what you do What how does it make you feel when, when you travel the countryside meeting with livestock producers? Uh, seeing them use your equipment helping them understand that the equipment that they, that they've purchased and know that you are playing a integral part of their operation well, it it's a uh, I, I guess I'll have to tell you the truth. I, I, it's gratifying to see it happen. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, I get into situations, or not situations, but, uh, you know, just like getting on an airplane yesterday, you know, somebody sees a molly on there and, 
and uh, they they don't know me necessarily, but they'll say, "Hey, we know that machine and whatever." And so it, it is. It's pretty nice to 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 see that. Uh, and also, actually, I learn a lot from 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 uh, all of our producers. That's how a lot of the products we're developing today. It's and and I'm I'm active in in the cattle industry as well. I. I make sure that I'm, I'm in the middle of this even today simply because I'm always learning new things or even testing new products. And so, um, and matter of fact, my job is to try to break a new product. So we could tell you pretty funny stories on breaking things. I had a trailer I built one time, and I knew it was top-heavy. We knew it was top-heavy, but I decided to test it. And we've got cameras in this facility, and, you know, it was a prototype. And, uh, and, and so I'm taking off, and it was actually supposed to go to the KLA convention, and it did go to the KLA convention. But, but uh, as I'm turning out of the driveway, I'm, I'm, I'm literally spinning my back wheels turning, trying to see what it's going to do, and I rolled it. Coming right at this the first thing, laid it on its side. So there you, and, you know, so that's, uh, 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 you know, these are the things you've got to learn, you know, these things that, that I, that we have to test these things and make sure what they're capable of doing. Um, so I think that's real important too, you know, as far as before it gets to the field. So sometimes maybe we look a little bit slow on not finishing a project because if I'm not, if I'm not convinced it's ready to sell, I will not put it on the market. Well, uh, of course, we're recording this show during the 2020 Cattle Industry Convention at NCBA Trade Show, and you have a heck of a setup in there. And I remember last year we did a Facebook Live on the ground, and, and you had the tub working, and, and uh, it's all wireless. you got a remote control. Um, let's just maybe talk about what you have set up in there and uh, what, sure. what cattlemen and women are, are seeing at the convention this year. Well, Basically, uh, the most innovative product we've ever came out with is turret gate. That's our hydraulic-powered swing gate that uh, uh, that we can run with remote control or you know any kind of other hydraulic method. Um, and and with with this particular tool right here, it, it's probably our most undersold machine today, just because no one else in the world builds this machine. And and uh, but. The people that have these want more of them. It is just such a safe tool. Uh, you know, we can, you can work cattle in this thing, and 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 you're not into that high, uh, that high pressure area. You know, the the highest impact area we have is that is that last lane that we're going to move that those those cattle into this alley that we're going to move these cattle into, and and so um, uh, this is the, this is really the hardest part of the job that we've got today. The other thing that we're showing in, in here that we brought last year is we have a, a, a hydraulic animal assist tool to help move animals in the alley or inside the silencer. And, you know, so many times we used to, we've got a, we've got, you know, an animal sees that and they see what's happening. They heard the other one ball a little bit and then they don't want to go in. So we go back there and we tap on them a little bit. Finally, we grab a hold of their tail and we twist that tail. And, and uh, as a cattleman, you know what I'm talking about. And and then uh, and this and, and so we can spend a whole lot of time and creating a lot of pressure, and with this new tool, we're able to get in there and actually get a, and give that animal a push, and and it's just amazing how much that's really helped. Uh, we were using one of these this fall on uh, doing our first shot on on our on our fall calves that, that we're getting ready to sell, and our our spring calves that we're going to sell in the fall. And it was just amazing how we didn't spend any time at that alley. And it's just amazing on what, what really, how it really helped us. And, and the animals, uh, we didn't have to, we didn't have a lot of pressure on those animals either. 
So th th these are a couple of tools you're going to see in at at the at this show here, and so. But uh, really look at a turret gate. Um, you know, anytime, you know, if we can just stay out of that high impact area with those animals, uh, you're, you're going to be, your, your family and your friends or your employees are going to be a lot safer. Well, and it's all about reducing stress on, on the livestock, reducing stress on yourself. And, and these are things that, that you think about every single day. But, I mean, it, it's just, just amazing how many little things you can pick up working cows and how we can do it more efficiently. Uh, what, what are your goals uh, over, the, over the next 10 years or so and looking further down the road to, to help improve uh, the lives of, of livestock and, and producers in the countryside with, with your designs and your equipment? Well, I think, I think what, we, you know, what, what our goals are is to try to stay real flexible within the marketplace uh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and get a product to, to, to our customers at a, at a, at a good price. You know, something that, that will, will fit their budget. And, 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 and so we're not saying that, that maybe they can't, maybe they've got 20 cows and they can't put a turret gate in, but we're going to try to do some things to, to, to help them understand on how to uh, be safe. You know, walk-through gates are really important. We do not have enough walk-through gates in these facilities. And, that, and, and I tell you, with any, anything we're doing these days now, I've, uh, the more walk-through gates, as I get older, I like more walk-through gates. But it's also a thing of safety. You get an animal, you can step in, step out. Um, uh, there's not enough walk-through gates, and that's, a, that's something that's real important. So for yourself, um, what, what are some of the main goals that, that you have when you're interacting with the cattlemen and women at the NCBA trade show? Just uh, being able to, to talk to them, say hello, and thank them for, for their, their business and uh, just uh, uh, continuing to be a part of the livestock industry. Yeah, it, it you know I I try to learn from from our customers, so I'll, I'll I'll try to ask as many questions as I can, and you know if they have any concerns, I want to know about that, and we'll pass that through. And you'd you'd be very surprised on how many times that really does make a difference on things that we do. So um, uh, yeah, so um, I really do enjoy talking with our customers. So I invite everybody, even if they're not one of our customers, just to just come by and visit. Uh, we we like to we've got a pretty good crew here we've got a great crew here actually and so uh, some of our different dealers around the states are going to be with us here and so we we welcome anybody to come in and 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 uh, dig into it and understand what we're doing uh, ranchers farmers they're all pretty innovative folks we like to say i like to use the word tinker because we're always tinkering we're always looking how, how to improve things and uh, a lot of folks have some pretty good developments in the countryside and ideas and uh, ideas that they've implemented why is it important for them to maybe step forward and maybe look at getting a patent or, or sharing that with mm -hmm. other with other producers out there to make life easier in the countryside well that's uh you know when, when you start talking to the level of of, of of adding patents onto what you have and and if you really have an innovative tool and uh, that, that's a great thing, and you definitely you want to you want to share that with a with an attorney that's in that field of uh, of uh, of patents, and you know that that's real important to start with. Uh, don't just throw it out there and show it to everybody right off the bat. You want to be a little careful if you really think you have something. Uh, there's um, uh, very few things that I there's you know, people come to me and say, hey, we think we've got something, and uh, you know there's the world's pretty big out there and uh, but uh, our innovation does come from Montana it comes from it comes from these places where there's where they don't have 
they they don't have uh, they don't have the equipment or they you know you the, say Canada yeah or yeah, can yeah Canada I mean there's a oh. lot of innovative <clears throat> folks up there right Canada you know they they've uh, they've been very innovative uh, it, and uh, and and joking but not joking uh, I think a little part of that is because they're stuck in a building all winter long and and they <laughs> they got plenty of time to think about what what they're going to be doing so that's a little different than if you're from Florida so you know and. Uh, uh, yeah, so we do see a difference in our in our producers as well. You know, depending on what part of the states or what part of the actually in part of the world. Uh, you know, we we sell equipment all over the world. I guess we're, you're familiar with that. Um, you know, we sell machines in anywhere from Indonesia to Dubai. You know, you can't believe where machines go, and uh, but they're all looking for something to to handle handle animals, and so uh, that's. Well, I just, uh, I just think it's you. You have such a great story, and uh, uh, not only a, a commitment to, to to your product, but a commitment to the livestock industry and to the people that use your product. Um, John, I know it's a busy day here at the cattle industry convention, and and uh, setup is still going strong there in the trade show sure. area. What are some last comments you would just like to share with the men and women listening to this podcast today, uh, whether they're livestock producers, college students, or folks just wanting to learn more about the livestock business? Well, I think I think the first thing is is you know uh, be very flexible in your thoughts on what what you need to be looking at and and how our marketplace is 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 heading, and if you can keep that flexibility and and stay positive, I think that's number one. But you know you know you know look look for be careful too at the same time. You know we want to think positive, but we don't want to do things that will get us in trouble either. So. And where can our uh, listeners learn more about Molly Manufacturing and the products uh, that, that, that you uh, are providing the livestock industry? Well, you, you said it right there, mollymanufacturing.com will take you right there. Or look for our Facebook, uh, Molly Manufacturing, and, uh, and our YouTube. That's a really good place to, to look at a lot of our products. We can do some more, many more things with YouTube, that, and that, that's what we really focus on is more into the YouTube. Perfect. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Lane. I appreciate it. Well, I, I knew we'd have a great conversation. You have a great story to tell, and uh, I, I just want to thank you again for taking time for us. Yeah. All right, friends, thank you so much for, for joining us on this edition of the Cattleman's Call podcast. Again, if you want to learn more about Molly Manufacturing, just visit them online. Check out that YouTube page. They have some great videos showing and highlighting that great equipment. And, of course, if you have any suggestions or questions that you have about the podcast or if you want a topic to be covered, you just drop us a note. All that information uh, on suggestions can be found on the NCBA website. Just click on the Cattleman's Call page. All right, friends, I'll do it for today. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.